0: So last month I turned the dirty thirty, and I figured that's enough time to make like a mirror and reflect <laughs> on all these years on how I turned into the person that I am. I'm just here to say this uh, episode of Tap—you could see it as a narcissistic, narcissistic, self-serving floy kissing my own ass, but no, you could also see it. You could also see it as an autobiographical recap in which i detail some experiences maybe we get some laughs and then oh god maybe learn from my mistakes or maybe my insights and how i've changed could help you with something you're going through maybe maybe not is essentially it is me talking about me but but there's a purpose to it find out what it is after the credits let's go goku <laughs> that was good oh it's gross let's go goku <laughs> Oh my god. That was just ad-libbed and if you've made it this far, maybe you'll make it to 5 minutes and then after that 10. Wow. But shout out to Travis Gertz for uh, the excellent piece of Dragon Ball Z memorabilia, this framed Goku. God damn it. If you have any cool artsy stuff, hit me up in the DMs and send me some some good wall material for the the lunchbox. Always appreciated. I'm a hoarder too, so enable me. Uh, let's go. So, there's not much to tell out the gate. The first couple years, nobody cares. You're just been pissing everywhere, sleeping, not paying rent. Uh, I was born on my due date, however. August 14th, 1990, in Woodland, just right on time. Just the perfect baby. Pretty goddamn cute, if uh, the scrapbooks my mother's created can be believed. Objectively, I think it was a cute, cute kid. Uh, the early years, let's see. Uh, just riddled with sports. Sports, uh, awesome birthdays. Let's see whatever, there's soccer, baseball, basketball. Football didn't come until later, but after like just baseball, little league playing your ass off all day, going to the pizza factory, going to round table, some pizza joint afterwards, or taking the party back to the house oh, no. and getting in the swimming pool with all the homies <laughs> and clawing each other's skin off, About dunking that. the basketball and all that, it's but us because we had ooh, the basketball ooh. hoop right next to the Doughboy, so it's waist deep, and you're just... We'll get to that later. Anyway, yeah, sports. Big deal. That, that was the point. That was the point I was making. Sports were big, and uh, I was very unique because I was one of the... I was the only Gertz boy to freaking do swim team. That's right. <laughs> uh, Debbie wrangled me into it. Keith and Skyler got off scat-free, but she just got me for some reason. I specifically remember being six years old Hiding in the bathroom, she throws a little speedo at me. This little bright, orange, uh, tiny little speedo. A Catholic priest's dream. Sorry, Grandma, but that's just a joke, but good Lord, it would set them on fire. Uh, Put it on, I was just so scared because my fear was I'm gonna do backstroke and get chopped up by the lane lines, obviously, I'd bleed out and die. Just totally fearful. I go there and somehow survived the practice. Did it? It was just something in the summertime after school. It was a very unique summertime experience. Would get a great tan, as tan as this table, as tan as you're that darkness right there, the background of all the cards. Pretty goddamn tan when you're out in the sun all day, Fat. swimming in the morning. About an hour practice, get out. If I can go to Taylor Bricky's house, that. Oh, let me tell you something. I met some. Some homies on Swim Team. That was probably the, the biggest bonus. F***ing Taylor, Max, Justin. There's the a the lot of Megan, it. was just a ton of us there that would swim in the summer. But y'all yeah, say the ace. Everybody's ace. Taylor Bricky. Because we'd all go to his place across the damn street after swim meets and swim in his pool. And then the Brickies would barbecue. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then that f***ing sucks. Because the Brickies might be the greatest American family ever put on this country. But... <laughs> I digress. I just happen to have them as a second home. I could go there anytime I want. Fast forward to high school. I went into the Bricky's house because they leave it unlocked. They may or may not leave it unlocked. I'm saying that in 2020. But anyways, I got in there, drank some milk, ate my lunch, and guess what? Nobody was home, and I knew if they would have walked in on me just eating lunch, drinking their milk, they'd be like, what's up, Aaron? Howdy doody have a great day have a blessed day let me bake you some cookies before you leave that's these people god bless them so luckily enough to have them in my life going throughout so yeah swim team was just so much fun but let me tell you something the best part about swim team is getting ribbons you get first place boom you get the blue second place you get red third place is uh, never got enough to worry No, I, I've blundered plenty of times. I had to swim against the likes of Justin Rominger and Cheyenne Burrell. These names may, may not ring any bells, but to me, they ring some bells. I'd get my ass kicked by these people and by Taylor. I was just, I had my moments, had my moments. What was third? I think fourth was like white. They get progressively, you know, kind of unmemorable. What is there? I think it was ye- seventh was like yellow. Six was like this ugly green. Possibly, I'll have to go and check, but it doesn't matter. Because I remember getting this almighty pink ribbon participation, it must have been, I'm not gonna say, I won't blame it on a relay team, it was probably me. Just sucking air doing butterfly or something like that. And at no point did that participation award ever make me strive to be better. I didn't really see it as any kind of implication. All I knew is it wasn't first. I wanted first bad. You're gonna get a participation? Like what is this? It means nothing, and I don't think, uh, man. I, I mean, I l- like the reward aspect of it, I guess, but it didn't make me strive any harder, and I don't know if kids should be goaded into thinking it's some glorious sense of accomplishment as long as they know that it's not first. There's somebody's better. There's always room to improve. If there's somebody better than you, then you gotta keep grinding, but hey, if you're six, you don't really give a shit. I mean, all I knew was I didn't like it. It was just, F- somebody's better. I got my share of blues, it's all good. And one day, I'll be talking a lot about Debbie Gertz in this, because she had a lot to do with my life, the mother. At one point, she decorates the out of rooms. She, I was in this all blue room and she took this fishing net, draped over the wall and she tied up all the ribbons over the years. This is like way afterwards. Good Lord, balled out and it was just such a cool time because swim team would end, it would be every Saturday was a swim meet and then on the weekends would be no, no, it'd be a weekend championship deal at Winners because we're the only place balling enough to hold all them swimmers in the mother zoo. That's right, bring in Beale Air Force Base. Bring in, <laughs> Sparta, they don't have any swimmers. Shout out to Austin Calvert. Why are you living in a Sparta? Anyways, you too, Brad case. I'm just calling out everybody by name today. Look them up, send them my regards, just like the Lannisters. Wow. Um, mercy. I digress so much, I just forget what the hell I'm talking about. It is, swim team, championship on the weekends. That's right, I was asking my own D. Winners balled out. We we, would, swim team, swim meets were just so dope, especially championship because all over the field, you just put out tents and shade structures and towels and you just wait for your turn to swim, but you're just chilling with your friends, talking, uh, drinking Capri Sun, running around a little bit to expend some energy before your time to go swim. And championship was Saturday, and then Sunday, and then back then. Let me tell you something. I've been blessed. I am blessed with to have a ton of family, real close. So as much as sports were in my life, family's been there, and they still are. Um, we would all on my mom's side of the family, Grandma Barb, would ball out, get us a cabin in Tahoe. Then every single summer, we'd get our asses up there, go to different beaches, and enjoy ourselves. Me, the aunts, uncles, all the cousins, just a shit show of fun. Believe me when I tell you this childhood was fucking lit and I don't want to say that boastfully. I'm just saying it as a fucking fact. You lose. Just saying it. I'm going to detail it. Gotsta, But not in a dickhead way. Just saying it. Like, it was dope. I had such an opportunity to have, like, just having family. Lucky as fuck. Let's not forget that. I've just been lucky as fuck a lot of these times. Lucky as fuck to have all this family, go to Tahoe, and then most of the time I take Taylor because he was was my boy back then. Still is my boy. We take him up there for a week of just us going out swimming in the lake, working on our tans. Taylor, however, was Swedish as f- and only blistered and bled and got red like a pepper, this guy. Poor Taylor, could not tan for the life of him, but uh, he and his curly red hair survived and we've been friends ever since, thanks to the swim team. We were dubbed the Marshmallow Boys because we're fat, and, fat. And, and white. It makes sense. Um. Uh, good lord where, I, I wrote down some notes I'm like What happened in my life Let's see here Okay so Talking about birthdays We talking Tahoe Alright so it was dope So Championship would lead To Tahoe Tahoe would lead Into the finish line In August Where I'd celebrate Some dope birthdays Some elementary school Birthdays Where in class You get a ball out Bringing your mom's Oki cake To everybody in class Everybody was Fucking waiting for it Cause I tell you, Debbie's the she can f-ing bake anything. And the Okie cake was so sought after. It wasn't store-bought cookies that, you know, some other moms would get. Or some stale-ass cupcakes. Okie cake was this sh-t. Everybody waited for my birthday. But it was in August, so we had to figure out sometime during during uh, the school year. Some special. I'm a half-birthday. Whatever. Uh, I just realized I sound super arrogant this, this podcast, and I, I sincerely apologize. I'm just talking out of my ass. Idiot. I realize it's going to sound arrogant, but... Deal with it, says Tony Perkis. I'll try to find that, um, I'll for sure find that sound clip. Deal with it. Deal with it. Very good. Heavyweights reference. Deal with it. All right, goddamn, birthdays. The most memorable of birthdays. We, we moved out, originally grew up in a cul-de-sac, Baris Court in Winners, and then my parents pulled this heinous ass uno draw four on my brothers and I, Keith and Skyler, and we moved out to the country. And at that time, for some reason, I thought how you move houses, I was probably like six, yeah, really, you know, dumb age. I thought you just swap houses with the other family, that you just trade, right? That's that's what it means, but no. uh, My dad tore this trailer part that was there, and we moved in this modular, a modular estate. It's a trailer, but my folks put side skirts over it, right next to an orchard, and we live there. We and Benny Gertz, talk about him a lot too in this pod, balled out, gave us this big-ass lawn, balled out, gave us a f-ing basketball court, with one hoop, later to make it two, with lights, and then we had half of the other family's trailer just ripped in half. Uh, There's two parts, that's what I meant. We had one half, it was just gaping and open, and they put our old couch in there, and all the toys, including the rug with the road on it, where you could just play with your Hot Wheels and it. Dope place to be, the Gertz Ranch, three, uh, oh, I'm about to drop an address, I'm not gonna do that. But we out by Lake Solano we out there having fun and grew up like that. So this birthday, this best birthday story takes place out there. We're out in this orchard, down the dirt road, across the other side of the orchard is a junkyard of like busted down tractors and old, like it was, it was uh, the Hoobyars. All their old vehicles just busted down, put in a ray, perfect for paintball, perfect for airsoft. Uh, But I guess what ended up happening all my boys were over including cousin Travis grew up together the same cousin Travis that provided Goku there uh, All the homies were like we're running around the orchard and then uh, Keith older brother and then Chad older cousin on the other side of the Family this guy's been in the game for a while. They are hurling water balloons at us Keith's right around the four-wheeler quad runner the Honda Recon and Chad's on the back. He's the tail gunner tossing water balloons at uh, everybody. It's it's fun and games, but, you know, we're hiding. We're just running for our lives. The adrenaline is pumping. The lungs are on fire, but we are insatiable when it comes to energy. There's not enough we could give out. We're pouring out. We're going all over the orchard. And then when they run out of fucking water balloons, like two older brothers that they are, they start throwing walnuts at us. Sometimes they had the protective green casing around them, but more often than not, they had the, just the pure shell and just darted us, belted us, and then... Uh, so we found a hiding place. Me, I think Matt and Caleb, two of the, the homies growing up. and we hid behind like a tractor or something in in the junkyard and Cousin Travis got run down like a dog. Keith and Chad pin him down against the <laughs> against the four-wheeler. And me and my buddies, it's just like a movie. We're just looking up in horror and watching Travis gets an atomic wedgie. It is heinous, but he got got. Oh, it was awful. Keith and Chad laugh and leave him for dead. And at some point we end up going back to the house where a f***ing bounce house is waiting for us on the basketball court. Deal with and then later on uh, we'd toss a water dunk booth, but that was you know years later. But for now we had the bounce house. We had a Doughboy pool uh, where all the aforementioned baseball game parties would be. And god damn it, we had pizza, barbecue, more cake, cake, Avi, uh, some dope toys. Couldn't get any better. I vividly remember that that um, 10th birthday in the year 2000. The year 2000. Let's see. Bounce house, swimming pool, okie cake. Yep. Yeah. And then, oh, then you get kind of get two birthdays in my case because um, every Sunday there is a tradition on my mom's side of the family. It is called biscuits. And Grandma Barb wakes up extra early, turns on that cast iron skillet, Beckons all the degenerate grandchildren, and the aunties, and uncles, all the family to come and have her homemade biscuits. You have to be there at 8 sharp. If you're late, first come, first serve, bitch. Grandma's in there grinding. I guarantee you, she cooks so much bacon and sausage. The eggs do not even touch the cast iron skillet. It is just floating on the shallow end of this bacon grease pool. And she just cooked over easy to perfection. You can put some uh, garlic uh, salt on if you want, but not much. Over easy, whatever you want. Uh, not scrambled. <laughs> I'll be damned if you ask for scrambled. Don't do it. So, grandma balls out. It's amazing food. Uh, sometimes people make berry coffee cream cake, or it, it's, so if it's a birthday, oft she'll make gravy. It is this thick, white, creamy, sausage-filled fucking <laughs> sauce. This gravy just thick as a type 5 diabetics blood it is just oozy and viscous and delightful you lose five years off your life every ounce that you have and you just douse your biscuits in it douse that and then you just use a fork and just I get eggs as well you cut it open mix the yolk just scramble that up and enjoy it and then after that it's early it's still early in the morning maybe 845 maybe 10 you've had your tang there's no there's no squeezed orange juice you get tang obviously and then later on you open up some presents and then it's time for the birth, no, birthday cake first. It's presents, then birthday cake, obviously. Obviously I know this. And I gotta say, grandma's Okey cake, no offense Debbie, this is not a hot take. Grandma's Okey cake is unparalleled. It is just sheen, like it's just a thin sheen. Okey cake is just this dribble like layer of chocolate over a moist brownie center and guts. It is just perfectly smooth. And she doesn't put it in the fridge. No, you put it in the purple room, which is affected with some kind of f- mojo in that house. You'll be 118 outside and a cool, temperate, God-fearing 42 <clears throat> degrees. It is so cool in there. And grandma goes to church every single Sunday. I think every day for that matter. Does it, talk about a free pass to heaven. She's got it. And therefore the house does her bidding and that room is perfect for Okey cake. Some of the other grandkids have this notion that like yes, everything she cooks is outrageously good, but to claim that pineapple cake and or red velvet cake, which are just they're amazing, carrot cake even they you think they stand a f- chance to Okie cake? I guess I'm talking specifically specifically to my cousins, who may or may not be listening to this. God damn it, none better than Oki cake. You know that to be true, and if not, figure it out, idiot. <clears throat> moving on, moving on. So yeah, biscuits, and then yeah, you get your presents. It's good. Another kind of birthday type type deal. Um, 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 um. Let's see. Also, a big part of the 90s. In F- 64, I played that until sh- I got fat. You can tell I was skinny in my swim team photos at six, get progressively fatter. My two front teeth go start going sideways, I was like a cobra spitting water in the pool, but I was getting chubby and forced Benny and Debbie's hand to mandate that video games only be played on the weekend. At first, it was you can only play as many video games as you read, so I just get like Berenstain Bears and go like chill for an hour, like read it, and just wait, just, I don't know, read a bunch and claim, oh, I was reading for over an hour, just some bullshit. And eventually they got they got wise to it, and they're like, no, get, get your ass, go outside, go play, go play in the cul-de-sac, go outside, well, later on in life, out here in the country, I would scurry around. I guess living in a country is pretty dope, because you weren't judged for going out and just pick up a stick and just, because ah, I would just go out there and pretend I'm Gandalf or something, just this early budding nerd going out and just being a weird little kid in the orchard, or who knows, just... Frolicking about, letting my imagination run wild because I could. There's nobody around to judge me. I was just free. Um, Lordy, so going out. Uh, luckily, I, the the love for video games maintained. I had my Game Boy, so I I was just kind of originating playing on your phone for hours on the crapper. Like you didn't even have to use the toilet. You just sit there and chill. Uh, I'd bring in my Game Boy and turn down the volume. And Skylar and Keith are oh, in there playing games. Yeah, I was how are you gonna prove it? I'm in there can't even feel my legs They're all tingly and numb because I've just been whooping ass with blastoise get at me followed by Charizard then Bulbasaur <laughs> <laughs> Who picks Bulbasaur who? Garbage um, So video games huge and it also I think played a big part in my overall Creative side and how I see things it could be whack at like, Look at this. Look at all this nonsense, I got Iron Man, like, I'm supposed to be a more mature adult, but I'm not. Video games, I think, really unlocked a creative wing in my head of just being fun, or having fun and being immersed in in these worlds, say, Super Mario 64, or, like, whatever it is, So whatever creative game, these are adults making these games, and I got super inspired later in life and kind of saw life with a video game, like, creative lens. Of what is possible and if something's impossible in my imagination it is possible because I want it to be and then also Star Wars was huge Let's just dive into the nerdiness of it all Star Wars was huge I remember seeing uh, the Empire Strikes Back with Grandma Pat at the Regal and Davis it was incredible I saw I had really no idea what was going on But I knew I loved what I saw then eventually when I was nine Hmm strike that 11 to believe oh, I cannot believe I have to check this the Lord of the Rings 2001 I knew it 2001 that's right first saw Fellowship of the Ring 2001 did not really I was like, oh, it's long not enough action Frodo's a boob Didn't like it later Truth be told it just fell absolutely head over heels head over heels in love with it Watch it almost every night before going to bed in high school. Just because it make me sleepy. with the so t- such long movies, I would just rotate all three VHSs. Sammy the dog's in the house. Look at you. I'm about to talk about you later in college. Still with me. This girl. Hold on. You got see this girl. This girl. Hey. Every breather. All right. Let's see here. This up no, it's not straight. There you go. Hi, is it straight? Ah, oh, who cares? My face is crooked. Anyways, in um, '64, got me creative cool. The night Oh, also the f- cartoons of the '90s, unmatched, best ever made. Uh, anybody that denies of that era, that decade leading into the first couple years, possibly of the '2000s, is the golden age of cartoons. You talking? Hey, Arnold, Doug, Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy. I've been tossing Dragon Ball Z. You got Johnny Bravo, Dexter's Lab, Courage of Cowardly Dog, uh, All Real Monsters, Rocket Power, fucking Reboot, uh, Johnny Quest. I mean, I'm not going to say Tom and Jerry. They old, but uh, the Simpsons born in that era. Like, holy shit. Talk about Toontown. You got Family Guy in there? Copycat? But whatever. Like, there's, I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but point is, those cartoons were... So influential. SpongeBob, of course. I mean, who need, did I even need to say it? SpongeBob, of course, Um, what a huge influence on not only me, but the rest of the weirdos that I get along with. And a lot of those weirdos went to St. James in Davis where I went to elementary school uh, with some select friends from Winters. And God damn it, that was such a great experience. We learned about, yeah, religion, like, hey, say what you want about it. It provided some structure growing up and a good moral code with, I'd say, objective teachers. Yeah, they're teaching the Word of God, the Bible, the Beatitudes, the what-have-yous. And it was just part of class, part of our learning, but we learned all about science and evolution and... We sang, oh my God, it was so much fun. i like, not going to lie, uh, you wear a uniform every day, wasn't too bad, tucked in, collared shirt, popping it, and then on PE days, you get to wear like sweatshorts and stuff like that, really cool, no collar. <coughs> but learning about it was a good, I think, foundation, and then moving, going to a public school at Winner's High was a good shift of pace and getting used to other points of views, which I think St. James did a great job with such a diverse group. There's every, every mixed race in there. It was just great growing up with that. Um, because winners, uh, if people don't already know, it's all half white, half Mexican. Everybody gets along famously for the most part, but very not super-duper diverse. And in Davis, that was more abundant, I'd say. St. James is so great. Every first Friday, you get a half day. Totally sweet. And then we'd go to the grad and Dave. Rest in peace. The grad and Davis. Get a big old fat burger. Play video games with the boys. And they'd go enjoy the rest of your weekend. Swimming most likely. And then... I'm your huckleberry. Golly. I recall the day at St. James. Segway. Uh, during 9-11. I recall that f***ing day. Because I did not heed the seriousness of that. 11 years old. And my God. I just remember the on the TV. The... Anchor just saying, "Oh my lord!" Just, just awestruck, and all it was—it was a replay. Planes going in at different angles. It was nuts, and it was on a Tuesday, I believe. And I remember going—I used to play this game when I, I was a weird little kid, right? I used to get a leaf and a f-ing stick and pretend I was some reporter and go, up, "Hey, uh, how do you feel about the planes hitting the hitting the hitting the towers today?" And people are like, "Ah, whatever." I would just go up to different kids on the playground, and just f- with, not f- with them, but. I don't know. I was just playing pretend, I guess. We did that a lot. We had. The <laughs> I promise I'll go back to 9/11 after this one story. While it's r- uh, rattling around up there, we used to make this one friend. Uh, I won't. I, I won't name names this time. But we all. We just got. He was a friend, but we. we he kind of got the short end of the stick and was the butt of jokes. A real Meg, I guess. And he would be. Like we'd run around this playground. The playground in St. James is dope. Wood and steel, baby. Just. <laughs> ample opportunity to get hurt with wood chips waiting for you at the bottom to cradle you. And we would just pretend that he's uh, this—he was a toilet and we were a bunch of little turds. And if you touch the wood chips, that's water. You shrivel up and die. So you gotta stay on the wood. That was the incentive. And he would just chase us around and try to... He was the toilet trying to flush us. And the first, I think the most original iteration of that was he was the butcher and we were a bunch of sausages and running around. And if you get in between those two balance beam bars where you know everybody you can like swoop your legs out switch and whatever if that was the freezer so if you get in there you're safe you're good you're away from the butcher and we just make fun of him cuz he was clearly less athletic and slower if you we were wanted to challenge ourselves we'd get a super athletic kid we, we knew who they were but we're like oh we're just ha- here for fun we're just going to run around this kid that is clearly slower than us cuz we're all terrible pieces of it moving on Shave. back to 2001 Shave. we had church that day and Shave. like it didn't really set in it, like went to football practice And like people were talking about it, I just didn't truly comprehend. I guess the loss of life. I was so aloof. I knew, I guess I knew people could die, but just the scale of what was going on, the political implications, and just everything at large, had no grasp on it. Total fumble. Um, But that was, I think, looking back at it, is when the sort of innocence of the world—not yeah, not the serial killers and the mass suicides of the seventies and the cult and whatnot. No, I guess in terms of just the world changing forever and in terms of the birth of technology of the time, 2001 when internet was first coming to be and smart, the dawn of smartphones and being able to hack into phones. Like just the invasion of privacy had commenced. I suppose you could say just what this, the first domino falling and led to the, if you can uh this mosaic that what it's turned into now you see the progressive uh domino falls and you see the art Well, it's turned into what it is now and the dominoes the dominoes are continuing to fall so i'm eager to see what that turns out like in the future but for now we're worried about let's see saint james that was fun ah about the fifth grade i recall the moment i realized i could do something i put my mind to and large part of that was thank you was thanks to mr agnew a new teacher we were his first class, and this dude had a tie for every day. He'd take off his tie at the end of the day and put it up on a fishing wire hanging across the classroom, and he'd hang up a different tie every day. He had tons of them, <gasps> hundreds, not not no two alike. And I don't know. I never thought of myself as a dumb kid, or just never. I wasn't one of the smart kids in class. I didn't view myself as such. In every class, you know, you have those couple of guys and girls. Whoever oh, there's a, the there's a smart ones, right? You know who they are. You know your place. You kind of, like, develop your, your identity, I guess, in the classroom. And I was not seeing myself as such, but, I don't know, he inspired me. And I think what the day that I was inspired, he was telling us how, because we're talking about the Old West, uh, getting in the, the gold rush, and how Native Americans used to hunt down buffalo. And he's like, what for, now, to show you, to demonstrate this, how... Uh, how Native Americans would hunt the buffalo. I need a volunteer. Aaron, you, come up here. Yes. Uh, you, very enthusiastic, had a filthy red mustache, and said, you will be uh, my buffalo boy. All right. And they would line up and shoot the arrow, and the buffalo would fall to the ground. Buffalo boy. And I like, I laid on the ground, he's like, and they would die a loud and painful death. And buffalo boy, loud death. It was just a fun interaction. But and it was... Uh It made me feel, like, special. It made me feel... Just, maybe it was that rush of adrenaline being in front of the class, hearing them laugh, and just him making me feel included in the process. I was like, okay, well, if I'm good enough to be part of this show, I can be good enough to... Well, I guess he made me more invested in the history, invested in what we're learning about, and I guess the domino effect in that regard of getting better at history because history can't f- change on you. I think that's why I like history. History is for sure my favorite subject because it can't change on you. It already happens. not math or English with participles and uh, acronyms and what. Who knows all these English rules? Certainly not I, a supposed writer. Uh, history and I don't, I guess other Doing better at that, that that would trickle into doing better in other subjects, but I remember getting so close, and in St. James, you can be part of the honor roll, that is getting a certain grade point average, having, I think, like a B average, and then highest honors was an A average, and I'd never gotten an honor roll before, and I guess I was a .2, .1, I was super close, and every, I remember at an assembly, each, each teacher would go up and call up the kids, they would, like, get a little... Reward award, and like that, that's pretty dope. I was always envious of that, but never thought I could do that. Well, I think Mr. Agnew even like challenged me, and he said uh, he called up uh, honor roll. I didn't get it, I was pretty bummed out. He called highest honors, of course, I wouldn't get that, right? And he stayed up there. He's like, Well, I have one extra award to offer, and it is too, er like, er it's an effort award. And I know, all right. Here's a little contradiction. I was saying participation awards don't mean shit. And I think this what I'm talking about right now is in a different context because participation awards for losing and not really giving you extra effort or maybe you did, I don't know, uh, promotes losery and mediocrity. I was not expecting an award. I certainly didn't try hard for, I guess I was trying hard to get that, that standard of highest honor or honor roll. Not just for the plaque, but just to, like, get there. It's a nice oh, a la carte to the reward because you won. That is a victory point, right? And I didn't get that. So that sucked. But what Mr. Agnew gave me was, like, a fucking some Some pride I could take in trying super f***ing hard and, like, getting there. Like, so close. It wasn't a win, but it was like, you're in the f***ing game now, son. Like, you didn't win the championship, but, like, you're here. Like, you can do this. And that, that f***ing meant a lot to me. And eventually in the seventh grade, so I, I got honorable a couple times in the seventh grade. I f***ing got highest honor with Ms. Michaels, dope f***ing teacher. Mr. Presto, Mr. Right. There was just so many great teachers there at St. James. And I remember I got for the Game Boy Advance at that point, fucking Medal of Honor. My uh, fucking mom got that shit, oh, but the Medal of Honor game was so dope. Ah, oh, it pays to win, babies, and so that that also counted as a win. It was dope. And so after oh, 9/11, let's see. More. Oh man, my last year at St. James, I've got two extra older brothers to live with because Keith would play AAU basketball. He was a stud in high school. Played uh, varsity ball as a freshman, and then in the summertime he played AAU. And there he met Zach and Jared, these two twin towering. Fucking huge individuals from Folsom, 6'9", uh, Zach, 6'7", Jared. And for some reason, their coach wouldn't play them in Folsom. Like, who, why not? Like, because they're athletic, they get the job done. But no, they're not good enough. So their senior year, they transferred to Winners and lived with my family for a goddamn year. And it was the coolest goddamn experience. It just, I didn't really know them that well, but those social walls were broken down so fast because we all ended up like... Somebody's taking a poo, somebody's taking a shower. There is just it was just all super, super comfortable and just playfully gay. It was unbelievable, playing video games. And what those those guys showed me, because in seventh grade I was like, comb my hair, go to bed, do my studies, this and that. And they told me, like, hey, it's okay to stay up a little bit past your bedtime. Say they had a fire going in the middle of the, middle of the winter. And they're like, Aaron, like stay up a little bit with us, chat. And I just we would just talk in front of the fire or play games, like whatever. Stay up a little bit past your bedtime. The the time spent with them having fun is definitely worth it. And we all go to bed and it was just breaking the rules a little bit was not the end of the world. Especially when it's spending time with them. Game. And they won the section championship and that was like I got to film a lot of their games. And a lot of times I had the camera over here and looking at a slam dunk over there just because it was so much fun to watch and I was in charge of providing the the game film, but that was a super cool experience living with two extra older brothers. And then I got into high school. They went to um, Yuba College. Yuba. Stanislaus. Stanislaus. <laughs> somewhere. Some, somewhere up there. And. Um, the price is wrong, bitch. Dude. All right. So I remember the first. I, I grew up as if you couldn't already tell with very little calamity or adversity. I guess sports provided the adversity. So you're losing and conditioning, running, and uh, just striving towards something. That's some, um, I think, good adversity in that regard. But nothing in terms of like a huge impact on my life. And up until my summer between freshman and sophomore year, uh, did that really happen. And I'll, I'll turn a long story short. Uh, Jared ended up... Um, getting cancer and he lost that bout. And it was, it was super tough. It was so like unbelievable. I remember um, being at football practice, making a play and my dad coming up afterwards and told me what was up. And it was just kind of like, it's like a a weird disbelief. It's like you're crying, but it's just, I don't know. It's it's very bizarre. Anybody that's lost somebody, Um, wasn't like abrupt, but certainly wasn't in like my list of possibilities, but it's something I guess in 30 years that I've learned is the impossible is always possible. Nothing the the your wildest dreams, nothing in your wildest dreams. Well, that's why they call in your wildest dreams because it it's it is certainly possible. I don't know what I meant by that, but it's you know what I'm trying to say. The shit that you wouldn't think in a million years is possible could absolutely happen, and that's what happened. And it was it was super sad. I just uh, remember probably my fondest memory was like. My pops and I went to go see him. He's in the hospital in, in uh, San Francisco, and he had this dope nurse that would like f- them a little bit. And we got him like this um, squirt gun, and he hid it under his under his uh, blanket. And she came in. He's like, "Oh, I got to talk to you. Like, I got I got to ask you something." She's like, "Oh, what's up?" And he just squirts the out of her. It was hilarious. He just doused this girl. She just took cover and like got away. We all chuckled, chuckled, chuckled. About like 15 minutes later, enough time to. Forget about the tomfoolery. She comes back in with this saline syringe and just blasts Jared, just pow, right in his face. Just soaked him. It was just whew, put it away, be gone. And that that was just uh, such a great memory. And and it's just so so weird because uh, Jared was 19, and I'll always view him as older than me. And that, I'm I'm happy about that because that's he's always like a an older kind of guardian angel kind of figure. And I truly believe that and there's no other way it could have went down i guess just in life and whatever happens and that was the first kind of brutal reality check of life that any like anything could happen like i said and uh, i know I, I remember talking to one of his aunts at like the post at the reception of the, after the funeral and just saying oh yeah i'll be good in a couple weeks and she just she's like nah, son like uh, and she was right because what happens in those instances and when there's a traumatic Thing is, Well, this, this is true for me. When something big happens in your life, such as this, it, you don't get over it, but it just kind of becomes a part of you. And it, as a part of you, reaches just an emotional equilibrium of something you accept and move on from, but you have that kind of toughness in you. You're not. I mean, it, it sucks anytime something passes away, but you've endured it before, and it's just part of your character. It's part of you gaining wisdom in the, the most sincere and deepest and raw way possible. So I take it as such. And um, yeah, and you you keep going. And you keep going with the people that you love most. And luckily there's uh, Zach as well, who is a completely and utterly different person. But just uh, having that family in the life still is just super cool. And so after that, let's see. High school is just f-ing unbelievable. Playing sports, still getting decent grades. I got uh, a white W on my Letterman's jacket, along with the red for sports. White for getting a 4.0. I did that like twice. So I wasn't wasn't perfect, of course. Couldn't pull it off for the last uh, the last year, like senior year. Couldn't get like the sash, you know. But uh, did well enough, and we had a senior project, which I think every single student ever should do because it requires a 20 minute. 15-20 minute presentation of a project you spent the entire year trying to accomplish, all the hard work you put into it, you could totally talk for a long, maybe it wasn't 20 minutes, but long enough, you get the point Deal with it. Um, high school is just dope, had some great teachers uh, God, Mr. Shuttleworth uh, uh, Miss G I'll say is just super God took me and I'll, I'll talk about uh, Spanish class going to Europe here in a minute, but also with some of my buddies I grew up playing sports with and had uh, Mr. Ward, he kind of felt like an older brother figure. Just thinking back now, he was like 24, 25, coaching us high schoolers. And it was just so much fun playing baseball. Had great coaches. Played with Taylor, of course, you heard about him. Manny Garcia, just what a great coach. Such a, old, a grandpa to all of us, loved us all to death. we play like shit. He'll make you feel like a million dollars and give you commemorative coins and whatnot. Uh, Jeff Ingles, he was in my life for the longest time. as my older brother's godfather, and it's uh, just had an absolute amazing time. Winning the most in baseball for sure, basketball, yeah, not not so good, not nearly as good as my brothers. But football for sure, just all over my brothers in every way possible. <laughs> hey, uh, it was just so I, I miss football the most by far in high school, by far. And who knows how many marbles I lost on the field. Getting cracked in the head, but from what I gained out of it compared to what I lost, uh, I would make that that turn every time. To my little brother Skylar's credit, he did snap his arm in half and has two metal rods in his arm, which could deter one emotionally from playing the sport again. But uh, luckily, I did. I survived the uh, the snares of injury for the most part and had an amazing time playing football. And it was a great way to make friends throughout high school and like even out the gate in high school i knew not met a lot of people knew some familiar faces but it definitely helped get me in school and keep me accountable playing uh with homework and getting done uh totally enjoyed it and think like sports just taking your mind off of for sure you have homework to do you're stressed about girl problems or whatever practice just took your mind off it you you couldn't be further away from your earthly problems all there is is a sport your friends and your fun and it's i was lucky enough to have some dope coaches as well just winners high, winners. Hey, hey! Winners warriors, the best. Um, 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 um después. Ah, Spanish class, Miss G. Holy sh! Thank God she lived next door to the high school because I went over there and took so many tests because my slow ass was just not smart enough to get it done in the lot of time. But she would, <clears throat> she would have mercy and go over there, take her test. Uh, she. And somehow swindled me and Robbie to do a talent show and do salsa or let the rest of the class we lost and then and Robbie and I did saying afternoon delight in one uh, talent show on our own volition and man no wonder I didn't get laid in high school <laughs> oh my god just just a dry guy but you know just because uh, I uh, didn't score a touchdown doesn't mean I didn't get a field goal, if you know what I mean! Nobody knows what I mean, but it's all good. Um, Lordy, high school, fun. Dances fun, I was voted best dancer along with Haley Clay in the class of 2009. Went to every dance stone cold sober. Didn't really go to many parties because I was too much of a p- oh, I'd get out of, I'd be uh, kicked off the team, whatever. Still had my fun. Still uh, wouldn't have changed. Well, I may have changed a few things, but still had a great time in high school. And from there, went to Sonoma State, the <laughs> sea Wolves. And there, I'm not going to lie. And, um, in high school, there was, like, my, my views, I feel like I was fairly open, but wasn't as open as I am now. Wasn't as, like, just kind of not, I don't give a as much about who people are and what they do. In terms of their sexual orientation, what color they are, who like, who cares? It is what it is. Like, it doesn't. How does that affect me? L- live and let be. Different strokes are different folks. I did, I, I just uh, there was like a gay straight alliance, and in high school, I was more had the mindset of oh, it's like don't mind being gay, but if you're super flamboyant, it's, you're you're shoving it down my throat. <laughs> but when I went to Sonoma, I met so many people and. So many different walks of life. It was like, oh, like it doesn't f- matter who people are banging or what color of the skin. Like not, not like it matter what people's skin, were, skin was in the first place. But just being exposed to diversity, just there's one thing to be open to it, not be surrounded by it, but put into a more diverse environment. It just it makes it the norm without having to mentally put yourself into the mindset of this is the norm. It just is. Sorry, folks, if you don't think that diversity is a thing and there's different walks of life all around you with different thinking folks, then you got another f- thing coming. Look outside, there's different colors. Lordy. And, uh, yeah, it was just a great experience. Met some amazing people, just my roommates in general. Uh, they also helped me with... Like, they were all different walks of life themselves, and I got to know them intimately. And I think that that helped a lot, getting out of small-town vibe to... Uh you know, it wasn't a necessarily big college, but a more diverse atmosphere. It worked wonders and got to do a ton of different things. Got a girlfriend, got laid, got the job done, got broken up with. Oh god. It was just brutal. But I realize now looking back at it, I was just the neediest little bitch crying, trying to make sure nothing bad ever happened, that there's no strife or no fight. But I guess I learned later on in life that couples do argue and bicker and that it's not the end of the world. Holy I was just such a clingy, crybaby little bitch and rightfully so, she should have broke up with me. Uh, God, and from that sorrow in in college, I was eventually roped into joining Sigma Alpha Epsilon by my boy, Carrie, just to shut him up because he would not relent. And eventually I just joined and so I pledged Excuse me second semester of sophomore year and was officially inducted my junior so the last two years and boy howdy did it wasn't too much of a rascal I guess sophomore year but uh as the as time went on in college like deep into the fret the frat game your boy got the job done your boy was a rascal was a rascal I was like oh, I'm not your typical frat boy I have a laundry list of douchey f-ing things I <laughs> Two shit. oh my god one time, one time, I'll just tell one story but no names, no names uh, was able to uh, entice a, a young late last to come back to the dormitory on the last day of the school year um, there was some funny business and Lordy, she wanted to like, hey can I modify to wear your shirt back I was like, no I want my shirt, put on your own shirt and I, it was like everything is packed up and I was just kind of laying there not want because I wanted to get up early and get going the next day, come back home and get a burrito uh, from El Verduzco. Shout out to El Verduzco, and I was like, Uh, so I asked her just to like get a conversation going, I guess. I didn't want to be that much of a douche, but it came out such a douche, and I guess that was my intent all along. I said, Uh, where'd you park your car? And she was like, Wow, and then she like one thing led to another, she ended up like just packing her stuff and walking out of the dorm. I was like, I felt like such a douche. It was like two in the morning. And this girl's leaving. I, I mean, if it didn't work, if she didn't take the hint, I guess it's like, okay, she stays over, no big deal. But she storms out and I open up the door. I'm like, well, have a good summer. I said that, what a f-ing douche move. What a douche. Douche, 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 frat, frat, frat. There's a reason that stigma exists. And for every douche-like move, I feel like I was not objectively not the worst frat douche. Imaginable. I've seen some, not just in my fraternity, but in other fraternities. There's a lot of them, right? It, but there's also really, truly amazing individuals that join that are true, f- amazing leaders and are ride or dies. A couple of guys will be uh, my groomsmen. Like, I I would never have dreamed of not joining a frat after experiencing what I experienced there. It was uh, that entire process. Of pledging and being an active and taking a little, another like great friend of mine, Zach, like holy, f- I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that for the world. And it was an amazing experience. I would encourage anybody if you want to join Greek life, make sure it's a good fit. Sometimes Greek life's just not for everybody. And it's, it was for me because Sonoma State was a f-ing flaccid wiener, flaccid party wiener. That at 10 a.m. or even 10 p.m. possibly sooner, you get call- the cops get uh, called in. Party gets broken up, you get a 30-day uh, on your or your wall, or 60-day now, or if you get caught again, you get fucking zinged or fined. Just a bunch of baloney. They're not a large party atmosphere, and this provided the more social aspect of college that I wanted to explore. And I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun, traveled places, and met some really amazing people, and f- had a great trip to New Orleans with Zach and Carrie this past summer, two summers ago. I'll get to that later. But... Anyways, you you it was, it was, it was the next, next one will kill one. you oh, son of a bitch. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Shot me in the ass. I remember being there and <laughs> the Giants World Series holy shit. back in 2010, baby I remember I was there at one of those games in a flotation device. I remember in the seventh I was DD for some stupid ass reason. A baseball falls into the pool. It falls into the um, McCovey Cove. I'm thinking nobody else is coming in after it. I'm getting after it. Jump in with my sweatshirt and my jeans on. I grab the ball, my buddy Cap and cousin Chad heave me back on the float. And I'm like, yes, I'm a hero. I got the home run baseball from the World Series. And these guys next, like on this boat next to her, it's like, ah, oh, you idiot, you douche, what are you doing? I'm like, you, this is my ball, I'm a hero. And they're like, no, somebody just threw that from the pier. Somebody just chucked the baseball. Sure enough, I looked at the baseball. No World Series logo, no MLB emblem, no nah that. Just me getting had by some clever asshole that chucked the baseball from the from the pier and you gotta give it to him. He got me. He got me. That was funny as hell. And it made for a great, great baseball story. Uh So I remember in 2010, just an amazing victory. None of the teams that I've ever liked has won a major championship. That was it. Not just then, but in 2012, 2014. Those just racked up, I'll spare you the the monologue of baseball, but just gave me great experiences to hold it dear and just what sports can do for individuals or just for your overall morale and just being so invested in what is going on television and empathizing your emotions with A complete stranger next to you. You give them high fives. You're sharing drinks. You're doing whatever. I guess not playing as many sports, I had to practice being a better fan and and enjoying it vicariously and just fully investing my emotion in the fanhood. And when your team is good, I'll I'll tell you, yeah, it's nice. Seeing a win, it helps keep your stoked, your fire. But when your team loses all the time, yeah, it's tough. That's why I'm a Kings fan and a Vikings fan. Grew up liking the Niners, but apparently my dad said, oh, we're Vikings fans because his grandma got him purple pajamas back in the day. It makes sense but yeah you gotta root for underdogs and when your underdogs win it is a sensational goddamn feeling and if your team hasn't won a championship before find a better team Now, or better yet stick with your team because that's if you're a fairweather fan then you you'll never feel as good as being with that team through thick and thin and that's just why i don't like lakers or dodgers all those fans or yankee fans there may be a few exceptions but for the most part you lose there you go good uh, moving on. Those were good times in college. Partied. Uh, then from there, I predate, I uh, like in college, oh, got a girlfriend in college. Lived with her for a little bit. Went through these, like, couple stages. And from there on, like at this point, I go, uh, I graduate college with a girlfriend. And I become this production assistant somehow, just emailing. Because I, I was going to get into radio, apparently. No, f*** that somebody has to die or you have to know somebody, know somebody that could kill somebody to get you a spot in the radio industry and even then you might get just booted out out the get-go. So that was just stupid. I remember graduating and going upstairs, logging onto Google and just typing where to get a job in radio. Did no prep work, like definitely off more in college than I should have. Did not receive any sort of academic accolades, so perhaps slipped uh, a little bit. Didn't get bad grades, no Fs, never won F or never won D. Uh, but did not, yeah, not receive any accolades, but definitely got stuff done. Definitely took pride in, in my schoolwork. And, but no thought into the future. I was like, oh, I'll figure it out. I should have had the wherewithal to have put in more effort because I remember one semester I had, I was barely a full time unit with two one unit swim classes. Was it a joke? Not once did it occur to me to go to SRJC or to assert myself and, and look deeper into what I wanted to do. Like, alright, righty, it'll just happen for me. I didn't really think, oh, it could be competitive out there afterwards or maybe I should get to know people somehow and make connections. Uh, was a, Intern at a radio station for a while and like it was okay, but it just wasn't wasn't the juice that I thought it would be. It was just something to do, I guess, it, because it seemed like it was on the path. Okay, you get an internship. I must be doing something right. Um, Deal with it. Yeah, I graduated and had no food. Became a production assistant. Lived in Roner Park and tra- ca- traveled to Petaluma, like twenty minute drive, not too bad. But being a production assistant sucked. Uh, it, going into it bright eyed bushy tail got a minimum wage job I got some dental I didn't really give a sh** about dental or insurance I'm like eh, I want more money um, learned to wrap cables went in it was pretty cool we shared a building with Twit this week in technology with Leo Laporte, this f that uh, pretty much invented podcasting or a godfather of podcasting but it was cool being in there and we had some dope equipment the equipment was sick the people I worked with were amazing rekindled my love with uh, my boy Pedro shout out Payo <laughs> He's doing uh, big things in production up in seattle area just working with big dicks because his is bigger and he just gets of, sorry. gay for pedro um Nasty. but it was just one of those instances where it was a i another reality hit where i hated my boss's guts and just the work schedule there was no work-life balance but that was the industry and i didn't realize what i was getting into for sure because you have to love what you do and you're maybe working 24-hour days, 16-hour days for a month straight. And I had it easy. I was just an assistant. And there's like this industry is just crazy on people because you are just running on Red Bulls. You're sleeping negative five hours. You're working overtime. You're wrapping cables. You're delirious. You're driving like what we did. I remember driving home multiple times at like 2 a.m. with a truck full of production equipment from San Francisco to uh, Petaluma. It was just wild, but you work with pretty dope people. I got to be a part of some really cool productions. It's like there was a plus side to it, but overall, I guess I couldn't have changed that either because it taught me like a good work ethic. But at the same time, the work ethic I developed working on and off at the landfill, another part of my childhood I failed to mention, uh, landfill between Woodland and Davis, that developed work ethic was hard work. Uh, my dad ran it and pretty much got me through college. This was the instance where, God, this guy sucked. I worked hard for my coworkers hated the boss and it lessened the work ethic I, it, it started wearing me down to the point where this guy doesn't respect me I sure as hell like don't respect him I'm gonna do as little as possible and still get paid so I put in the minimum bare minimum effort and it it f-ing sucked it was lowly if I'm getting paid and getting insurance like I signed up for this and work and I definitely slacked and I, I didn't like it tried to find it out it was like ha- went for a year Again, love the people I worked with. It just wasn't enough to keep me doing it to myself. It was super unhealthy. Um, Didn't get to see my girlfriend much. And it was just, it was a time suck and I was not fulfilled. And anytime you're in that situation, if you can afford to get out of it, get out of it. And one thing I learned there was just what I don't want in an employer, what I don't want in a work environment, what I do want in coworkers, and uh, and just the power to say no, no mas. And to get out of there, I've... (laughs) It was a desperate move. I started working at Verizon for like, it only was a couple months. I was like, all right, I'm going to go to Verizon, like work there and uh, go to SRJC part time and see what I want to do. I thought I was going to be a graphic designer or whatever. One thing led to another. I realized I want to get into advertising. And then from there, like I only worked for Verizon that I worked there just long enough for them to not f- realize I was a fraud, collected a couple paychecks. They trained me and life to just not allow for it. I was like, hey, guys, I got to get. And so for, <laughs> I felt bad, but I had to leave. And that was my retail experience. And no, oh, no, I also worked for Big Five. Worked for Big Five. That wasn't as bad. I got to work with my boy Brad and my, my roommate. And uh, that, that was a better work experience, but still, it's not like a forever gig, you know? And goddamn train of thought. Mm? want to get advertising internships went to San Francisco got picked up an internship just happenstance I I am so goddamn lucky I looked at all these places could not get an internship of my life depending on I thought that was the first thing you do I find this place called nice and company and I give them a call like hey just wanted to give a shout out cold call and like this dude Darren picked up he's like oh thanks man well well, we actually just hired on an intern we're really sorry but for the next round we could give you a call or something. super nice accommodating. I was like, you know, what? I appreciate that. They're the last one on the f-ing list of, it's called the Creative Ham, this website with all these ad agencies in San Francisco, found Nice and Company. And the next, I was like, suck sucks. So the next day, like, I was like, lo- no more, no more ad agencies on the list. No more, no more internship opportunities. Uh, I get a call. What is this? What is this? Shto means what, and you can learn that if you watch X-Men First Class, and this Russian dude that like destroys this one missile gets his mind like given back to him, and uh, they said, oh, comrade, you just avoided nuclear war. He goes, "Shto?" Realize this was a crazy digression, and none of you will get this, but... Wow. Pause, see the movie, come back to this, you'll know what I'm talking about. Anyways, um, they give me a call like, hey, uh, the other intern just bailed on us. They don't want to do it. Uh, it's yours if you want it. Or if you want to come in for an interview, go in for an interview. Ah, before that, I went to, at SRJC, went to and took an advertising class and just, that's that was the one I knew I wanted to get in advertising. It was so much fun. If I could do this for a living, let's go. Learn about all the philosophy of it. I'll spare you. I'll do another podcast on advertising itself because there's a lot to know that I'll nerd out about. But went and got an internship. Like they, I guess they're like, yeah, no, we'll, we'll take you super f-ing cool. So I would take the ferry over to nice and I would get off at uh, the ferry building, walk up another 20 minutes to this cool brick building. One of the girls that I used to, that used to live under me at Sonoma state just happened to be the receptionist there. I'm like, hey, what's up, Kate? Like it was, it was just happenstance. This kid happened to quit because they thought they were put, putting too much on his plate. He went home and they're like, Oh yeah, make better have that finished tomorrow. It was a ton of work, and then he like came back. He's like, "Hey, this is too much work. I can't do it." I'm like, we're joking. You, why would you do all that? Like, and then instead of just realizing it was a joke or realizing that like they weren't being serious, this isn't the norm. He bails. You lose, leaving me the f-ing opportunity. So this this kid's whatever. I, I got to find him and thank him somehow. Hopefully, the world's treated him well because I got my opportunity because he gave up. Um, and I was there for many a month and then from there I was said they said hey uh, the creative guy you gotta go to ad school if you want to get into the advertising industry world it's a portfolio to that's how you interview you get you create a portfolio potential boss sees your creative work if they drive with it if it works with the philosophy and kind of image that the ad agency goes with then they'll hire you or give you some kind of freelance work whatever but that's your in that's how you show your stuff um, so I went to ad school, met some amazing people, but god damn it, going from Santa—I uh, lived with a girlfriend in Santa Rosa at the time, would commute back to f-ing, uh, the landfill two to three days a week, and then go to ad school in San Francisco. It was fucking grind. Put on like fifty thousand miles of my car in two years, and also a time suck and very straining on the relationship. And those strains will come to fruition, unfortunately, towards the end of ad school, where. Uh, it just wasn't working out, i vary the details, but habits of mine and just uh, a lot of circumstances and it just, it just really sucked because like emotionally strained from ad school trying to finish because it's like there's no more school time. The ongoing joke was, oh, I keep going to school from college to JC to ad school. The joke was, I'm just going to keep going to school and never find something to do. But this was it, I knew I wanted to get into this, and I got a dope ass uh, internship at this PR firm in San Francisco called Edelman, and that was gonna be my internship even after school. So I, at least I had that, because they re, they signed me up for a second semester, and like, yo, we'll keep you on. Nobody else really applied for this internship, we'll keep you on. It's like, let's go, like, luck, uh, luck is with me. This is the route, this is the way. And the strains of the relationship came to a head, and we were like kind of on a break going into the end of ad school, or where we're going to go on when we agreed on it. It was a very bizarre emotional limbo. And that, I think, is another huge play. I uh, uh, got during ad school too, I lost uh, one of my grandpas. That one, not as close with Grandpa Jack as I would have liked, but that was just, it wasn't like our personality traits, or like I, I knew him, but just wasn't that close. Not as close as I was with Grandpa Albert. But lost a grandpa, and yeah, the relationship uh, ended up ending. So it was, it was a long it was six years, and it was easily the most emotionally straining and just agonizing time of my life because it was just this constant, like, you wake up, and you're just like, fuck, fuck. Like, if anybody's broken up, I don't know how people could, like, after a divorce of how many years... Decades, whatever. Like, I mean, every situation is different, but this one affected me so. Um, there was, you know, thinking on my end, like, oh, I could I get back together. Uh, it, uh, there's also, you know, how much hope to torture yourself with. There's a lot of variables to go into it. And journaling helped me out quite a bit. And uh, honestly, I, uh, it was really a test. Like, when something like this happens, um, you can either go two routes. You can like dig down deep, see what the f- happened from both ends. Think, try to think as objectively as possible and realize what happened and what could have happened. You know, don't dwell too much on the woulda, coulda, shouldas. So much, uh, you, like dissect what happened. First, like give yourself a grace period. Mourn the loss. Um, nothing you can do about it. And then dissect a little bit and you can either grow from it and be a better person or you, like, I could easily... Turn to like out like you know I'm just gonna drink my ass off like this is unfair. This is so unfair. This sucks. I that definitely thought it was unfair for the longest time, and it was just it sucked having no control like over that fact because that's just why I told myself that was the truth that I told myself like this is unfair. This is unfair, and that was just a huge part of my identity for for man. I would say at least a year because I, I graduated ad school, um in like, that was a good feather in the cap. It was just overshadowed by what was going on in my personal life. And during ad school, I started writing a book that I did a podcast about. But that was overshadowed by ad school, overshadowed by my personal life. And it's hard to be creative. It's hard to move forward when your mind and your focus is just, just elsewhere. You can't force creativity either. And it was just super straining trying to, like, commute from – so I had, uh, we were living in Backville at the time, moved back home to Winter's, and was commuting to san francisco and back three and a half hour commute every single day just torturous but taking that long ass ferry ride i i was like all right how about i try to improve myself like i want to do better i want to be a better person because I, I also blame myself a lot for the relationship not working um, from my actions and it was the boat the ferry ride to san francisco from vallejo was a cool hour so i could spend half an hour i could spend Time I, I would write there, read back, Right there, read back. I'd get to the gym in the morning. There were long ass days. Get up at 4:30, work out. Get to the Vallejo ferry. Get the 8:20 ferry. Get to work, or get to the 7:20 ferry. Get to I got up early as f- the 7:20 ferry. Get to San Francisco by like a little after 8:30, and then move up to like just hustle, hustle to work. 15 minute walk to, down Market Street, and that was the routine. It was a ruckus. Very little sleep, but really uh, just, you know, I, it was painful if I let it get there, but I just remember being super stressed and all this time and made a really cool friend at Edelman that uh, it, it really taught me the value of having a constant, like, really good friend that is a female, Becca, and she helped me out so much just through everything I was going through because she went through something similar, only she was in the women's role, and... I know I'm just droning on about this, but this is like the huge part of my life. And just this, it couldn't have happened any other way. I'll just skip to the finish line. Could not have happened any other way from the person that I was with flaws and all, still very much flawed. Instead of seeing those character defaults as a stain upon me as a person in my soul, I uh, came to see them, all right, these were challenges that, like, I failed, but they're challenges that I can learn from. And, like, the experience, that is an experience that I want to learn from. It is a part of me that will always be a part of me, and I wanted to f-ing move on and grow into a better person. Grow into, I feel like, uh, yeah, a better person. Meditate, uh, journaling, taking time. It took so goddamn long. It's like, still taking time. There's days where I bum out, for sure. Um, you be. It, it's just you gotta give yourself time, and it never seems like that. For the longest f-ing time, it sucks and is painful, but eventually time subsides. And you gotta you gotta work at it. You can't just keep brooding because I would brood for the longest time or think of situations or scenarios. You gotta train your mind to fight whatever, like, crazy goddamn thoughts or angry thoughts or resentment. Resentment, I learned, is a poison that you take expecting the other person to die. That is a quote from, like, Buddha or somebody. Somebody intelligente. Anyways, enough of my emotional woes. That was just a huge part of my life. That's why I spent so much time on it. That was a huge part of who I am now. A huge part of why I (laughs) strove to finish my book after college. Like, strove to do this podcast, I haven't done this in a while and I'm glad I'm getting back into it because um, at the end of the day I was done working at Edelman and because of that commute luckily they gave me a day to work at home they were an amazing people completely opposite direction of where I worked for as a production assistant at PixelCore before uh, Edelman was an amazing experience I felt included it's what I totally it's what I wanted in a boss it was just the commute was killing me, and I wasn't uh, creating the content that I wanted to. It was a lot of blogging. It was a lot of writing, which I wanted to do. I loved, I loved to write, loved to write. I was blogging about SeaWorld and Six Flags and all these other places. It was, it was cool, but there's some a lot of other things that just really sucked the life out of what I wanted, out of my zeal for, for writing the stuff I did want to want, including my book. And so mixed with that commute and just, I did not want to go to San Francisco anymore. Just so sullied by the place. I'm um, so happy for my other friends that just got into ad agencies. They are of the city. They're from the city. They're from around the world. More diversity from ad school. It's really dope. Miami ad school, I, I will say. If I lived like two blocks away, I'd ha- I would have had a better experience. But um, yeah, from that, from that relationship, I also learned of how much my friends mean to me and hanging out with friends and re- like affirming that f- love to have my friends near and dear and just hang out and spend time with them because I didn't do that. I didn't do that before. And now I, I feel like I'm do, doing a lot better job at going out. I'm not the best. Sometimes I stay and play video games. But uh, going out and seeing friends is for sure a huge part of who I am. And in the future, we'll have to be a, it will forever be a part of who I am. And just, that's where the balance of life comes into play. All right, enough of that preachy preach. Um. Yeah, that breakup was a painful metamorphosis And it couldn't have gone down any other way Because I am who I am because of it And I learned from the recent fires Like this is I specifically remember this kind of Instant cathartic moment in my life Where the brooding and resentment And the, the sheer anger from that breakup Like just seeing all these fires And just seeing this ungodly force of nature Coming down, barreling over the hills Um... It just like it didn't happen until the next day, but I texted my ex and was like, "Yo, uh, if you, like just as a human being, because we were in it before in Santa Rosa fires in 2018. This isn't our first rodeo. That was crazy. That was nuts. And this was just just as scary, if not scarier than that, because it was just awful. And then like through those uh, simple texts, just saying she was good, I just realized, oh, we're all just human beings. We're all these little. And humans trying our best and you know sometimes we fail miserably but we're just people and i'm trying to f- trying to apply that now to the sh- that i see on the news and just in general but it's you know you just start feeling silly if you hold so much resentment in life and i guess that's the most profound things that i've learned about myself in these 30 years has been like just being patient and you know when you put effort into Whatever it is, including yourself, you can see some decent results. You can see some pretty good results, and I'm—I'll I'm, uh, never be satisfied with my growth and like who I am and like what I want to do and what I want to achieve. Like there, there can't be a finish line, and that's one thing I learned. One book recommendation I'll have in this, <laughs> David Goggins, that uh, can't hurt me. It's pretty much instilling the fact that there's no finish line, not in life, not with what you're trying to do. Because if you cross it, what do you do? You're gonna stop. No, like, just just keep going, and uh, I'm thankful for everything that happened, especially the end there. Like, yeah, the breakup, but got in pretty good shape and ran a marathon, and just doing a lot of cool shit have a new job. Uh, just, I don't know, life's starting to click a little bit, even though from the outside world, it's just coming to shit, but I'm just super, I'm just grateful for every human being. Anybody listen to this, if you've been in my life at any capacity, or if you're just listening to this and getting something out of it, uh, thank you. You're part of these 30 years. You're 30 years plus how many days it's been since August 14th. But I'm just hoping that a lot of you, like if there's people in my life that came and gone and that was our time, so be it. Uh, Maybe that was just the amount of time we needed to spend each other's lives to impart what we needed to. or Maybe there's a round trip coming. Who knows? Who the fuck knows? I'm just going to live in the now and just be super thankful for everything that's been happening in my life, including uh, marrying my... Not marrying my little brother, but being the officiant for his and his wife's marriage. And that was... God, one of the coolest things I've ever done. Uh, just marrying... That's another highlight. Him being there and our older brother Keith being the best man. Me there, the officiant. It was just... It was just awesome. What a great night. And uh, hopefully the next 30 years can be as fun and delightful and meaningful and impactful as the first 30. And wherever you guys are at in life, just keep learning. Don't be a dick. (laughs) And be patient with yourself. Hope you all have a great day. And thank you for listening to my hopefully mostly coherent rambling. You lose. Good day, sir.